Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Well, guys, our next guest keeps making history. And after being a part of one of the biggest boxing events in New Zealand history last weekend with Junior Far taking on Joseph Parker, he now prepares his team for battle at UFC 259 with Kai Kara France, Carlos Olberg, Israel Adesanya, all slated for action. The man behind City Kickboxing, Coach Eugene Behrman, is joining us. Joined here as well by Frank Hickman and Andre on the left, Frank on the, on the right. Sorry, guys, we weren't ready for this, but we're excited to have you guys as a part of the chat as well. Boys... Welcome to Submission Radio. It's great to have you. Good to be here, boys. Thank you. Thank you. Andre Paulette, Eugene Barrowman, and then Frank Hickman. How exciting, guys. I, I want to ask you, you are just coming off the um, the junior far fight. Obviously, you put on a great performance against Joseph Parker. What are the energy levels right now, and how hard is it to switch from that fight all the way to UFC 259, two massive, massive milestone events, just completely back-to-back? Yeah, look, if you if you gave me a choice to do that again, I probably wouldn't. It was um, it was absolutely hectic uh, having that junior far uh, fight week at the same time as our last week in New Zealand, so it was pretty exhausting. But um, but one of the benefits of it was the energy that that created. We didn't win, which is like not completely satisfactory, but uh, we felt junior had a good performance, and we felt junior proved that. He deserves to be on the world stage, and um, Israel and, and Kai and Carlos and all the team attended. We were in the back, we were in the changing room, and we felt the energy. It was a it was a full stadium. It was um, you know it was absolutely packed, absolutely full, and just coming in with all that energy and all that hype, I felt like set up a really good week for us here. So. There was some positive sides to it, but for me, it was pretty exhausting. Yeah, yeah, and of course, a lot of stuff still ahead of you, a lot of big fights, including this weekend. How, how hard has it been to sort of acclimate to Las Vegas, having only left on Sunday? And I suppose, um, what are the boys feeling like right now, having to sort of fly down a little bit later, I suppose, than usual? Yeah, I mean, it, like this isn't our first rodeo, so the boys are pretty used to it. Um I know Israel. Israel sleeps whenever he wants to. Israel has no discerning pattern to where he's when he sleeps. He sleeps wherever he wants, whenever he wants. There's no pattern or anything. When he's tired, he shuts his eyes and just goes to sleep. So for him, it doesn't really matter. There is no real pattern anyway. That's just how that's just how his body's trained. And the other boys have already had like a, 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 a seem to be sleeping like full eight eight to ten hours so i mean i think it 
you know, like we've we've come into we've come into fight week this late before. <laughs> I don't think it'll play a factor. Also, of course, Israel's not really having to cut weight for this fight. We saw on Ariel's show he said he'd be weighing around 193. Um, does that sort of make the fight week a little bit easier for you guys? I don't think he's typically cutting a ton of weight, but it's a process that I suppose huge that you don't really have to sort of worry about as much. Yeah, he's not he's not cutting he never never cuts a ton of weight anyway, but any weight that you have to cut regardless is is never really a pleasant experience, even if it's a little bit. And I guess the added bonus of having the fight a little higher is that he doesn't have to cut that little bit of weight. Um, he'd just be a little bit happier, a little bit, you know, he's able to eat a little bit with a little bit more freedom. It's just a happier Israel, and a happier Israel um, translates to, uh, you know, a better Israel when it comes to the um, game time. Mm. And boys, we'll do a kind of almost like a, like a, um, What's the word? Anybody can jump in at any at any time. Um, but I want to ask. Honest, they did, to be honest, the boys just came to like uh, lift up the level of handsomeness, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's working. I'm getting a bit old now, so I need a couple of young fellows on my left. Didn't right. think it could get any higher than usual, huge. But there you go, <laughs> a whole new level. I wanted to ask you guys, and Andre, this might be a good one for you because you are the head wrestling coach at City Kickboxing. Um, when you look at the size, we've, we spoke to you last time, Eugene, and you told us the story about how in any of Israel's past losses, it was the size difference or it, it, they came against bigger guys. I'm wondering now that you're so close to the fight, I guess this is one of the big narratives of Israel moving up in weight. He's only going to be weighing maybe 193 on, uh, on fight night. How much of a factor do you think the size uh, plays into it, especially if Jan goes in with, you know, maybe a grappling and clinch-heavy uh, style? Yeah, I think um, at City Kickboxing, Israel has a lot of uh, training partners. So we've got um, Carlos Ulberg. He's he's a big light heavyweight. We've got a lot of big guys that Israel been training for years with them. So he's um, he's really used to change his style to those big guys so i don't think he'll have a, a problem but we we are prepared for for Jan and we know this Jan is going to be israel's biggest challenge so we're taking this very seriously quick question for frank as well frank i saw that you know israel and the boys did a bit of training overseas he was doing some work with uh, galvao and uh, got his purple belt as well at atos uh, bjj a lot of people sort of I suppose, talk down um, Israel's grappling ability because he's such a spectacular striker, but his takedown defense has been so good in, in, his, in his run. How much better, though, is he getting on a camp-to-camp basis, specifically leading into this fight, after all that experience and uh, training that he's done overseas? <clears throat> I think he just progressively gets better and better and better each camp um, because he's a professional and he goes about it the right way. And I think, you know, in mixed martial arts, it's not just one thing. So when he was, when it was unfortunate, he couldn't get back, but he spent all that time over there at the best jujitsu team gym in the world. You have no choice when you're surrounded by elite caliber athletes and the best in the world at what they do. You have no choice but to soak up all that information and to soak up all that knowledge. And from what I was told, it was two, three times a day, you know, five, six days a week you know, for five, six weeks. That's what, that's all they did. And I think when you do that, it, it, it really makes you jump levels and it really progresses you. And it's something that maybe he wasn't 
as sharp on, but after something like that and a stint over there for that long, it just added to the arsenal and it just progressively got better and better and better. So, you know, as far as crossing his T's and dotting his I's, you know, I think he's, you know, he's right where he needs to be as far as the grappling scenarios go. Mm. Andre, Frank, uh, huge. Are we, are we right to understand that he's sort of going to maintain doing his gi jiu-jitsu? I think I saw in a video he said he wants to at least keep working on it once a week after his time in America. Is that accurate? Is he, has he been sort of focusing on a bit of gi jiu-jitsu and focusing <coughs> on that aspect of grappling as well? Yeah, he has been. I look, like what Frank's alluding to is just normally when we're back home in New Zealand, we're working on all aspects of the sport. And we've, we've, throughout Israel's career, I don't think we've ever had a chance to just singularly, since he started his MMA career at least, I don't think we've ever had a chance to singularly focus on one particular aspect of the sport because we just haven't had that time. And then what that, you know, the benefit of coming out, of being stuck overseas is that he was able to just concentrate on jujitsu, on the grappling. And he came away from that with a newfound appreciation for it and uh, a newfound understanding for it and um i think that's what's driving him to 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 motivate him to keep that up on a day on a, on a daily and weekly basis um within his own kind of training regimen because he sees the value of um you know that specialization mm. which is cool I guess one of the, the interesting things will be the very sort of early moments in this fight. Um, Israel likes to sort of take his time and, and read his opponent. And we've seen Jan sometimes sort of, you know, go full tilt and try and chase his opponents down, create chaos. You kind of got to expect that for someone like Israel who likes to feel his opponents out, Jan might try and just pressure him and keep him on the back foot. We did see Jan get caught by Tiago Santos in one of those wild exchanges. Um, how much do you think Jan sort of tightened up that aspect of the game? And do you think that's something that we might see him try and do uh, with Israel come fight night? Look, I think Jan is, uh, you know, I think Jan is dangerously quietly confident and i think he's going to bring that confidence into the octagon and and rightfully so he should be confident because he's uh, uh he's, he's a much uh, bigger man very physically imposing you get a you get a you, uh, every all these middleweights have come in here with a plan to put a lot of pressure on israel and close the distance up and um, either Israel's been uh, too elusive or they've felt Israel's power. It's a very specific type of power. They've felt that specific type of power and they've decided that they cannot just recklessly uh, come forward and hope to close the gap on Israel because they've, they have understood there's been, a, there's been a moment in that fight when they've understood that that is not a possibility without paying a heavy price. Jan is going to be confident. He's going to be confident that uh, Israel is a small, uh, much smaller man, and um, his Israel's power won't have the significance that it has against middleweights. And I think out of all Israel's previous opponents, I think Jan's the one that will that will, you know, put that theory into practicality the best. I think he will be willing to kind of risk the biscuit more than anybody else, based on his confidence with his size advantage. I look 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 for Jan to kind of like bite down on the mouth guard and come forward a little bit and put a lot of pressure on Israel. 
and um, and that's what we're prepared for. Obviously, every fight is the next biggest challenge. But when you look at Jan, does he sort of present one of the biggest challenges that you guys have had during your run in the UFC, in your opinion? This is Israel's hardest fight um, by quite a bit. I think this is a, a jump up from from any of us' previous challenges. And um, for all intents and purposes, within our camp, we are we are building ourselves as the underdogs, um, and and we're doing that based on the fact that we're giving away this um, big, you know, size and weight advantage that we sometimes have in our favour. Now we're going to give it away. So it's just a very hard. What what we're about to attempt here, as people don't understand, is a very very difficult endeavour and um, a very risky one. And one that makes all of uh, our, you know, for all us coaches and Israel, it makes the hairs on the back of our neck stand up because this is a true, true uh, challenge, a hefty challenge, and it's a scary one. And it's one that gets you up early in the morning and wanting to attack it. And we've had a great camp because it's been, it's just a highly motivating fight. And it's a highly motivating fight because it's such a dangerous fight. I'm also curious about this new breathing coach, Huge. Obviously, in this fight, Israel will likely have the speed advantage and uh, possibly even the cardio advantage. But with this new breathing coach and some beautiful footage, actually, from the countdown of the boys at the beach going under the waves and holding their breath and running up the, the hill of death. And you going, come on, boys, let's get this done. But how much of a difference do you think this breathing coach is going to have if this fight does end up going into the later rounds and if Jan does try to put his weight on Israel up against that cage early on? Um, we've invested a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of research into the, the uh, breathing side of things and how uh, different methods of breathing affect the central nervous system. We like The, the game for us now is... Look, we, we believe we opened up a little gap when we first came into the UFC. We believed that we had some advantages over other teams and other coaches and other athletes. But like nowadays, like within a short period of time, we believe that gap is closing. And then it's up to us to keep that gap wide. And um, what we do is we, we spend a lot of our time researching other methods that can help us keep that gap from shrinking and keeping it wide. And... And this, this, to be honest, is one of them. And we, we do believe it will give us a really distinct advantage, especially um, in terms of recovery between rounds. And it's just it's just another vehicle that we're using to like try and keep us one step ahead of everybody else. So um, we will see if it becomes effective. But, yeah, we honestly uh, put a lot of stock in it. And uh, there's something – first of all, there's a lot of science there to – um, back up what we what we believe will be a distinct advantage. So, yeah, we, we're looking forward to being able to use some of those breathing techniques to give us an advantage in this fight. Hmm. That's that's amazing that you guys are pioneering, you know, these kinds of techniques and, and bringing them in here. Um, I just want to go back to what you were saying before. 
you know, you really gave Jan a lot of respect, talked about how this fight is a scary fight and makes the, the hairs on the back of your necks stand up. And one thing I noticed with Israel, um, people kind of get used to him saying that he'll make it look easy. Like he said that ahead of the Whitaker fight. He said that ahead of the Costa fight. You don't really see much of that going into this fight. It's so evident that you and the team and everybody is so respectful of Jan and what he can do. When you, when you say that it's a scary fight and a dangerous fight, what would you say is the main thing that makes Jan so dangerous and, and so scary and such a big challenge for you guys? Well, two things, and one of them's the obvious, and that's the physical advantages he has. And he has, he's a stronger, bigger, um, <coughs> he's a stronger, bigger, more powerful man. Um, those are the, the obvious ones, but the, the second thing that makes it very dangerous is his confidence. And his confidence doesn't get talked about a lot because it's not it's not the braggadocious type confidence that's a little bit more in line with what Israel's type of confidence. It's just a quiet, unassuming confidence um, that I believe Jan has in his ability. And I believe Jan has that, has is extremely confident that um, Israel is not going to have the tools to beat him. And look, a lot of people, they, a lot of people, they, they understand that they have to be confident in a fight and they try to ex exude that, but they, they try too hard. Their confidence, to be honest, with a lot of fighters, is not really there. They just, they're, they're hoping that that confidence, through acting confident, they're hoping that this confidence will just arise out of nowhere. They don't truly have it. But that's not the case with Jan. He is, uh, I feel that he is genuinely, supremely confident that he can win this fight. And that, to me, that's like a very dangerous opponent. That's an opponent that's got nothing to lose. That's an opponent that's willing, going to be willing to come in there and take risks that the other previous opponents um, haven't been willing to do. So two things, his physical advantages and then this quiet, unassuming confidence that he kind of walks around with. I think those are the two dangerous things that we, we need to that kind of underline this fight. Mm, I, I agree with you. Having spoken to Jan, I know exactly what you're talking about uh, mm. when it comes to that. We are just saying the same thing to Dan Hardy just before. But like you told us last time, you know, Israel's biggest and key losses have come against bigger guys. People think of, you know, the Alex Pereiras. So going into this fight, knowing that, well, this is a similar type of challenge that, you know, he in, in past times hasn't fared against as well. How do you as a coach sort of stop that from getting into Israel's head and sort of, you know, help him with, with his own confidence going up, uh, you know, against such a challenge? Well, for a start, a lot of time has passed since those, uh, since a lot of those fights. And um, one thing that um, I think that me and the likes of Andre and Frank and the other coaches excel at is when we do run into trouble, when we do run into adversity, when we do run into a loss, we take that loss and we analyze it deeply and we make sure we take the lessons of, out of it. Take the lessons out of it so we never do it again. So each one of those losses, we've taken those lessons and we've banked them away. We haven't just like, you know, talked about them and, and not learn and adapted from them. We've put in the bank genuine um, strategies to take care of whatever went wrong in those fights. Those fights have been a long time since a lot of those fights have happened, and a lot of a lot has changed. And Israel's uh, learned from those mistakes and um, developed into a completely different fighter. And um, yeah, and you know, like 
it's 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 taking us it's, it's Israel understanding that he can gain confidence that those fights are essentially just a tool that's helped him get to this fight. Those fights that he's lost against those bigger opponents are a tool to help him get to this point and overcome this challenge. And by the way, after a lot of those losses against bigger men, he's also beat a lot of bigger men because he learned from those losses. And those are all lessons. All, all 100 fights that he's had before this, uh, the, he's gained knowledge from each one of those fights that's going to help him win this current fight. And that, that's kind of what we're taking away from it. I kind of wish we could do I this. I think in that answered your question. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And I kind of wish we could do this in person, Eugene and uh, Andre and Frank, because usually we do these chats in person. And um, it reminds me of one of the first times we sat down with you, Eugene, where you brought up heavyweight and Stipe to us. And I don't know if you did it as a joke or not at the time. It's hard to tell with you sometimes, but um, you sat down and you mentioned uh, Stipe. And now we see Stipe fights Francis and John Jones is getting a lot bigger and is waiting in the wings. If things go to plan this weekend for Israel, is the time right to go up to heavyweight and make this Jones fight possible, especially if John Jones can somehow in this next period of time become the champ? Look, I'm going to give you an answer that's not going to satisfy you guys, but um, <laughs> all, 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 all our eyes are focused on this fight. And um, and that includes mine and includes Israel and includes Andres and Franks. We're, we're solely focused on this fight ahead. So, like, that's... That question, I can't even. Um, I'm not even going to contemplate that question. Sorry, sorry, boys. Not... <laughs> That's all right. Sorry. We'll we'll catch you after the fight, and then uh, we'll yeah, see. What, catch me after the fight. Catch me after the fight, and I'll. <laughs> we'll see what kind of options are presented uh, after the fight. But I want to say, like, um, well, I guess, I guess, if Israel is able to do it, he joins the elite club of you know dual champions in the UFC. Guys like uh, Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, Henry Cejudo and Amanda Nunes. So he's very much on the short list. What do you think it sort of says about about him? I know that you guys, you kind of just want to prove stuff to yourselves. Um, I know Israel talks about it a lot. He doesn't really care about perception, but he, he does want to be remembered as the greatest. Um, what do you think this win, you know, will say about Israel if he can get the job done against Jan this coming weekend? And also, what do you think it will say about city kickboxing as a whole? Um... Yeah, look, I, I, I've already alluded this to this, but this, this is a fight. Uh, like, when I look back at this fight, this is going to be, like, this has been a a, a working-class fight. Like, there hasn't been a lot of hoopla. Israel hasn't done a whole lot of media. The coaches haven't done a whole lot of media. There hasn't been a massive campaign promoting this fight because this fight is a fight for the purists. This fight for the for this this fight for us is for people that know about the sport. They know the people that know about a challenge of going up in weight and taking on a much bigger man and trying to overcome that man with skill and strategy, and not trying to like beat him by going like this because you're a much smaller man. This is this is what it's about. We've had a really kind of uh, workman approach to this camp, and we've just put our head down and our ass up. We've had very little outside influences come in. And um, <clears throat> boy, what it proves what it proves to us is that uh, Israel's skill, uh, uh, combined with uh, our strategy and tactics, and and the boys' coaching and, and my coaching, coaching staff and the team, 
it uh, proves to us that our system and the way that we teach someone and, and the way it's represented through Israel um, is number one. And, 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 it, and it proves that uh, our gym and our team is number one. And that's what it does. It's, we're number one across two different weight divisions. That's a lot of... Uh, that's a lot of men, and, and it gets Israel closer to that goal of being um, the, the 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 best, the best that you know, the best to ever do it. Let's not like, not the greatest to ever do it, the best to ever do it. You got to make a distinction there. Like, Wait, what's what's the difference? <laughs> look, <laughs> this is this is a whole new topic, but look, the greatest to. I'm going to go. I'm go, going to try for it, go for it. The floor is yours, sir. The greatest of all time is, is, is a phrase that's coined by Muhammad Ali, right? And and everybody knows that. And uh, he's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest of all time for two reasons. Because of what he was able to do, become three-time heavyweight world champion and has the great battles with George Foreman, Joe Fraser, you know, like Ron Lyle, you name it, okay? Um because of those magnificent battles and using strategy and skill, but he's also, the reason he has that title was because the other half of that title is about how you get that title by using your platform to make the world a better place. So it's not, when you get that title greatest of all time, it's not just about fighting. It's about Half of it's about fighting, and the half of half of it is what you do for the world. What are your humanitarian efforts to make the world a better place? How do you use that platform from being because you've reached the absolute heights of fighting, and you've got this wonderful platform? Well, then, how do you use that platform to make the world a better place? That's what the goat title encompasses. And you get all these people, and it's become like a fashionable thing to throw this title around. But these young guys, they don't know the meaning of it. They don't understand the meaning of it. Um, you cannot be the greatest of all time unless you serve both those purposes. And and obviously, these young guys have got this all confused. They don't actually know what it means. Maybe they'll listen to me and they understand it. Israel can be, you know, Israel might want to be the greatest of all time, but he, he, and he does a lot of humanitarian work, a lot of charity work and stuff, and he does use his platform, but, but to get that title, he doesn't do enough, not in my opinion. Um, neither do, neither do most of the people that try to give themselves that title. Hmm. Um, so he can be the, the, he can be the best to ever do it. He cannot be the greatest to ever do it unless he picks up the other side of what I just talked about. Um, yeah, that that's the distinction that um, I don't know. It doesn't get talked about much, but that that is the true distinction of those two titles, to be honest. Mm. Well, that, that was kind of foray into that guy. Sorry, this is not really. No, yeah. it's great. This has been one of the highlights for me personally. When you said not yeah. the greatest, but the best, I, I feel like that was the distinction that we had to clarify with you. But you're saying Israel can at least be the best, if not the greatest. He can be the best of all time for sure. If he wants to be the greatest of all time, then he needs to. Yeah, he needs to um, start to. He, he already uses his platform for a lot of good, but he probably needs to do it more if he wants that particular title. But um, yeah, to, he he can definitely uh, be you know the best of all time, just like a lot of these fighters can. But they a lot of these fighters that call themselves that that um, self-proclaim themselves as the greatest of all time, um, they're doing that because they don't understand 
what that title means. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, big fans of Muhammad Ali here. And I think a lot of people that haven't looked at the history that he's gone through and the stuff that he's done for for humanity in general and just the crazy battles that he's had and the fact that he fought sometimes back to back to back to back and went all around the world and did all these crazy things. There's so many crazy and really interesting Muhammad Ali stories that we could share with, with people right now, but definitely need to go out there and check it out. So many fantastic documentaries. Just quickly as well, Huge, before we let you guys go... Got to talk about Kai and Carlos. How are they looking going into this big event? How are they feeling being a part of such a massive, massive UFC event with three title bouts on it? How do you think Kai's looking? I think he's, uh, he, he's uh, since his last fight, he's improved a become lot. Become a father as well? Yeah, he's, he's become a father, so he's got that, that dad power. <laughs> um yeah, I've seen a lot of progress since his last fight, so I'm excited to see him in this fight, 100%. How about, how about Carlos? What do you think? Oh, Ouse Juice? Ouse Juice. I, I think he's, <laughs> Ouse Juice. Uh, he's very focused. Uh, he's, he's very focused. You know, he's excited. He's up He's up early. He's singing, um, and he's really taking everything in, and I think he's going to, um, you know, take, take full control of the opportunity that he has because he sees what's in front of him. And he's 100% confident in his ability, so I'm excited for everybody. Yeah, they're dangerous minute. That you got one guy coming off a loss, and you've got the other one making his debut. Like those, those are a couple of dangerous men to deal with. Um, so um, we're pretty confident that those guys will get the job done. Yeah, 100%. I can't wait to see all the boys in action. Speaking of confidence, nothing will make you feel more confident than having a shaved sack this St. Paddy's Day. Remember, St. Patrick's Day is for pubs, not for pubes. I and mean, if you want to manage your downstairs region, Manscaped gives you the best grooming tool on the market, the Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof LED light, and 7,000 RPMs of pure ball shaving power. And we've got a cheeky discount code for you. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, Cass. You get 20% off and free shipping, which is absolutely important these days, with all the international shipping costing a bundle, with code SUBMISSION. Go to manscaped.com, use code SUBMISSION, get 20% off and free shipping. And also, every purchase at manscaped.com goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society for bringing awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection, which is very, very important. So once again, get right this Paddy's Day. Safely shave a shamrock into your pubes and get 20% off with a code word submission. That's at manscaped.com. They're officially presenting this interview and submission radio. But lastly, from us guys, and then we'll let you go because we're taking up a little bit too much of your time. What is going on with this uh, silver fern thing, man? Because we saw in an interview you said that there was an issue where the All Blacks were sort of complaining to the UFC about the use of the silver fern. You mentioned how... Apparently, you might not be able to have it on your uniforms. And uh, for those people who don't realize, you know, that's a really significant thing um, for a lot of Kiwis, the ability to represent their country. Um, so to take us into that and what the latest on that is. So that's basically, I'll, I'll make this short, but it was basically a misunderstanding. The, the, the law firm that looks after the All Blacks trademarks, mm -hmm. a lawyer from that law firm reached out to us that we might be in breach of copyright. But this lawyer, although she works for the same trademark firm, does not actually work for the All Blacks. Mm -hmm. So she pre-warned us about some copyright issues with the, with the 
um, Silver Fern. We then sent that to the UFC and said, like, is there an issue here? Then uh, uh, the UFC or middle management in the UFC reached back to me and said, look, there's a possibility that the All Blacks might have a problem with this. And I asked them to sort it out. This was several, several weeks ago. Then just before that press conference, I called that middle management person and I asked them, hey, is this sorted? And if you tell me it's not sorted, I'm going to take that as a no. And at that stage, um, that person said, no, it wasn't sorted. So then I was like, okay, then I'll sort it out myself. <laughs> so what actually happened was the All Blacks never actually had a problem with the Silver Fern. The problem came from this lawyer reaching out to us and then us reaching out to the UFC and then this middle management person contacting me and falsely telling me that the All Blacks had a problem with it. That was never the All Blacks. That was just some lawyer who worked for the same firm walk, working completely independently from the All Blacks. In the end, I sorted it out myself, which is exactly why I went to the media. The All Blacks contacted me straight away. Um, um, the UFC contacted uh, me and Tim and Ash straight away and together that whole issue we sorted out which was the whole reason I took it to the media something that the UFC was meant to sort out in three or four weeks I sorted it out within an hour <laughs> and ultimately we've been given like the All Blacks are happy for us and proud for us to wear the silver fin and, um, and a big misunderstanding but what came out of it is some clarity on whether we're going to be wearing the silver fin into battle, which we're very proud of and which we insisted we must do. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's great to see. I mean, the All Blacks um, seem like chilled out dudes, so it's great to see that that's all sorted out, and I think a lot of people will be... I mean, just for those that don't understand, what is the significance of being able to wear that into battle for you guys? The Silver Fern is a representation of our country, especially when it comes to all international sporting teams that go overseas. They all carry the Silver Fern on their uniform in some sort of way. They all um, proudly um, you know, wear that symbol into whatever sport they're going into, into whatever battle they're going into. It's a symbol, it's a symbol of us... Uh, clashing with other countries and in, in, in the name and in honor of our country is that we all have that in common. We all take that silver fern into battle. That's the one thing we all have in common with the other sporting teams that go into battle in the name of our country. So for all those other international sporting teams to have the right and the privilege to take that silver fern into the battle and for us, for the possibility that we might not to, well, that didn't fly very well with us. We, we think out of all those sports, we think we go to battle more than any of those other sports. Just, yeah. just mm. obviously, obviously with a bit of bias, but we kind of, we feel that we literally go into battle. Um, so we, we felt that we feel that we've earned the right to wear that silver fern. But in the end, it was a misunderstanding and I have to thank the All Blacks are very gracious and the UFC for sorting this out. So we, we, we got what we want. So it's going to be fantastic to, um, wear that silver fern in our sleeves when we walk up. Well, guys, it's just the beginning of the year, but City Kickboxing already, already having a history-making one. Watch them this weekend at UFC 259. Of course, many more fights announced for UFC 260 as well. So another busy year for Eugene Behrman, Andre Frank, and the team. Follow the gym and all the updates on Facebook and Insta at City Kickboxing. And also, 
avoid the fake profile out there. We saw there was a fake Facebook profile circulating huge. Yeah. Watch out for that one too. Hey, we must be getting big time if people are making fake profiles off us. We must be getting a little bit big time over here in New Zealand. Lots of love, boys. Thank you so much for, for your time. Glad we could yeah. do... Uh, it, it was essentially a fivesome, so a lot of bonus for us. <laughs> Have a great weekend, guys. Have fun over there. Thank, Thank you, you so much for putting us in, guys. A real honor. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, boys.